Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. Well, happy Father's Day. That's it. That's all you get. You know, that's... Make a big deal out of Mother's Day, you know, big brunches and the whole thing. Make your reservations. Dad, maybe you get a barbecue, you know, if you're lucky. And you don't have to clean the garage this weekend. So um, we are in a series. And uh, the series is things that God uses to grow your faith. And we're looking at some of the the specific activities that you can engage in, pursuits that you can take on uh, that'll stimulate your faith and and nurture and grow your faith. And and the goal really is all found here in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, where Paul writes, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to approve what God's will is. And, And that's the goal. That's the goal, to discover what it is that God has for my life, what it is that he wants me to do. Why am I here on this earth? And Paul says the reason, the way that you do that is it takes a change of mind. It's a whole new mindset. It's living in this new life of faith. And that happens, that happens when you get involved in some of these activities that we've been talking about. Um, We talked about it the first week in the series, talked about the personal component. That there's a personal relationship between you and God that needs to be nurtured and spending time alone with Him in prayer, spending time alone with Him in the Scriptures, praying through the Scriptures. Um, it nurtures, it grows, it gives you a better understanding of what He wants for you. And that's a very important component to your spiritual growth. But there's also the relational component. We talked about that last week, where you need spiritually influential friends, people that will be in your life Um, to encourage, to to challenge, to to help move you forward. And one of the ways that we do that around here is through our community groups. encourage you to get involved in one of those. And uh, and I did mention, by the way, last week, um, talking about this whole idea of friendships and and building those kind of relationships, that I actually joined Facebook um, the week before. And, you know, everybody was, oh, Pastor Ken's on Facebook. I have spent the last week confirming, adding friends to my Facebook page, Okay. It's this it's consuming stuff. This will take forever. Some of you people have way too much time on your hands. That's all I got to say. Because I don't have time for all of that nonsense. Um, so if you don't get a response from me, you know, after a couple months, it's not because I don't want you as my friend. It's just like I haven't gotten around to it. All right? Someday I will. Maybe. Um, and actually today we're going to kind of fix that whole thing. Um, we're going to address this whole deal because we're going to be talking about the third component, which is personal ministry. We're going to put you to work. All right, that's my goal this morning, um, to give you a, a real sense of what it is that God created you to do. Because one of the foundational principles from day one in the life of Northgate was that we believe every member is a minister. Everybody has a gift. Everybody has a calling. It's not for a select few. It's not only for the advanced class. This is for everybody. And it's been a, uh, just an absolute essential to our whole process uh, in fact, it's the third component in our process of discipleship. Connect, care, serve, share. Connect with God and b- build in that relationship. You know, share together in life. I mean, excuse me, serve. I'm doing them out of order. Care for one another in those relationships and then serve. And, and it's part of the discipleship process. And so we encourage people to discover where it is God has gifted you to serve. Because I will tell you, there are a few things There are a few things that will so stimulate and encourage and and nurture your spiritual growth than being involved in a ministry. It'll stretch your faith. It will cause it to grow. So we're going to look at that this morning. And it's continuing on in in 
the book of Romans, chapter 12, beginning in verse 3. Paul writes about it this way. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him do it in proportion of his faith. If it is encouraging, if it, excuse me, if it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it's contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. He is telling them that there is a part to this the spiritual growth that has to do with how you serve one another. How you use the gifts and abilities and talents that God has given you to serve his body. And that's what he uses. He uses the example of a body. And so that's what we're going to look at this morning is a little bit about this and help you, you know, hopefully help you discover where it is God has gifted you to serve. What, is, what has he put in you that gives you an opportunity to contribute to the lives of others for eternal benefit? Because that's the thing. Not only does it help the other people, it helps you as well. And, and some of you have never been involved in a ministry and you think it's not for you and there's nothing for you to do. We're going to teach you something different this morning, okay? And some of you are serving uh, wholeheartedly in the ministry and we just want to encourage you that, you know, keep doing it in the, in the giftings that God has given to you. And some of you have been serving in the past and you've been sitting on the sidelines. This morning, I'm going to give you a kick in the pants, okay? I'm just going to tell you right up front because God has gifted you to do something. And it's important that you do it. And we're going to talk about this morning a little bit some of the things that you need to know. Just three really important key things that you need to know about discovering your personal ministry. And the first is simply this. Your ministry, your personal ministry will fit you. It'll be a fit. It'll fit you. That whenever we talk about ministry, um, we, I always get a little bit of pushback. You know, and people have this mentality that if I get involved in ministry, then God's going to make me do something that I hate doing, I don't really want to do, but I'm going to have to do it because he's called me to do it. And I just want to say, why would he do that? Why would God do that with your life? Why would he wire you up uniquely and then ask you to do something you're not wired for? That just doesn't make sense. If your heavenly father loves you the way that scripture says he loves you, why would he give you gifts in an area that, He's not calling you to use them in. And why would he call you to do something that he hasn't gifted you to do? That just doesn't make sense. He has gifted you, and your ministry will fit you. Another thing that people kind of push back on is they kind of say, well, I I can't. I can't. I don't have the time. I don't have the resources. I don't have the ability. I'm not prepared. I'm not equipped. I wouldn't know where to start. And I just want to tell you, that's what we're going to do this morning. And the fact that you don't know what your role is or you don't fully understand your role, or you haven't discovered your role, does not mean you don't have one. Because everybody does. Everybody does. Tim Lincecum plays for the San Francisco Giants. He's in the big leagues. Second year now. Tim Lincecum is batting 167. Now, if you're a baseball fan, if you know baseball stats at all, that is not good. Okay? That means like out of 10 at-bats, he gets maybe a hit, maybe two, okay? That's it. Now, that's not very good. If you're in the big leagues, you know, you ought to be able to, you know, swing a bat and hit a ball and, you know, get on base. You would think they would do that, but he can't. Why is he still in the big leagues? Why is he there? Because he's not there for his bat. 
He's a pitcher. And he throws somewhere, his fastball somewhere in the high 90s, sometimes breaking even 100 miles an hour. He pitches. His earned run average, for those of you who don't know, for every nine innings that he pitches, he gives up only 2.72 runs. That's his earned run average. That in every game, he gives up less than three runs. He has struck, this year, just this year alone, he has struck out 112 batters and only walked 26. And he was last year's Cy Young Award winner. Best pitcher in the National League. That is why he hired him. That's why he plays for the Giants. They don't care about his bat. He only has to, he pitches every four or five days. You know, and if his bat's like that, they don't want him in the lineup any more than four or five days. They hired him and they pay him because he can pitch. He knows where he is gifted. And those around him knows what his abilities are. And that's why he's on the team. And when you discover where it is that God has gifted you and where your strengths are, that is the key to finding your fit. And that's what Paul talks about in verse 3. He says, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. Rather, think of yourself with sober judgment. That just simply means an honest evaluation. None of this false humility. Oh, I can't do anything. I'm no good. You know, I just eat worms. You know, that whole thing. <laughs> Make an honest evaluation. You've got an ability. You've got at least one gift. So he says, take a good look at your life. Take a good look. Do an honest evaluation. Sober judgment. Because God has equipped each and every follower of Jesus Christ. Every one of us. He goes on. Think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. That means it doesn't matter if you've just become a believer in the last couple of weeks or you have been a Christ follower for 25, 30, 40, 50 years. It doesn't matter because he says you serve and you make this judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Wherever you are at, Wherever you are at in your faith, wherever you are at in your journey of faith, wherever you are at in your following of Jesus Christ, wherever you are at, you have something to do. This is not just for the advanced class. It's for everybody. He says, to each of you, God has equipped each and every believer. And it doesn't matter whether you are new or old in the faith. You have something to contribute. He says he has given gifts to each of us. He talks about it a little bit more in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Verse 7, he says, A spiritual gift is given to each of us as a means of helping the entire church. Each of us has a part. And I firmly believe that God has placed all the giftings within every local church as they are needed. That they are there. That you have one of those gifts and you have a responsibility with that. And God has given you those gifts and those abilities. They are supernatural, God-given gifts of His Holy Spirit at work in your life. And you say, well, I don't even know what it is. I don't know where to start. Okay, inside your program, we put a little insert. Everybody pull one of these out, okay? This is by no means an exhaustive list. And, and the kind of the groupings of them, it's a little bit artificial, but it just kind of gives you a little bit of an idea of how these spiritual gifts operate. And there's probably around 20, 25 of them here on that little insert. There's probably more than that. But here's just a kind of basic list. And here's some of them. There are some gifts that help educate God's people, for instance. Teaching gifts, discernment gifts, exhortation gifts. Um, there are gifts that demonstrate God's love. Pastoring, service, helps. 
Giving, mercy, hospitality. There are gifts that are celebration, worship gifts, intercession, healing, miracles, praying in the Spirit. Um, there are gifts that, that undergird all of the others. There, these are the gifts that, that are gifts of leadership, gifts of faith, gifts of administration. There is probably one, at least one of these on this list that fits you. And it might be a stretch for you, and it might be challenging for you, but you have a gift. And, and, and that's why God wants you to put it into practice, because like any muscle in your body, it grows when you stretch it. It grows when you use it. And so he says, discover what your gifts are. Now, we, we, um, we have a class, part of Northgate University. In the fall, we're gonna be, if you want to find out more about spiritual gifts, we're going to offer this class about finding your ministry, finding your spiritual gift this fall. But you don't have to wait till fall. Okay? Here's some very simple questions that you can ask yourself. And, and this is just, just kind of that part of that honest evaluation. Here's some questions. What are the things that make my heart beat faster? What are the things that when I get involved with them or I think about them, it just kind of quickens my heartbeat? What are the things that give me a real sense of joy? What do I really enjoy doing? What gives me that sense of fulfillment? That is part of how God wired you up. What is my temperament? What's my personality like? Some of us are raging extroverts. You know, you could, you could get on an elevator and start a small group before you got to your floor, okay? That's your personality. Some of you are definitely afraid of talking with anybody. You are so introverted, okay? That's part of how God wired you up. So what is my personality like? What's my temperament like? And then another question is, where have I seen success in the past? What have I been involved in that, that kind of worked out okay? That actually made a contribution and it made a difference. Because see, Paul says all these are the work of the one and same spirit and he distributes them to each one just as he determined. And you're going to find your gift by simply doing a few a little evaluating questions. Look through that list. If there's any of those that kind of describe you, you might have that gift. What's my personality? What's my passion? What are the things that drive me? What am I get excited about? What are all these things? Because that's just, that is how God has wired you up. And, and you don't have to wait to take class because you can take class after class after class. You can study all of these passages that are um, here, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4. You can study all of them. You can get to memorize the gifts of the Spirit by heart and their definitions. But the only way, the only way you will truly discover your gift is to do something, is to do something. Because you can take classes and you can get all the information. You can take all these tests and you know, all you can do all of those things. But the way you're really going to discover how God has gifted you is you start doing something. Now you start where what it might seem to be your best fit. But then you take it from there. Because the only way you're really going to discover is if you try it. And by the way, let me give you just two areas. In fact, the two of these I want to point out just on this list of spiritual gifts. On the bottom of the first page. The gift of service, the gift of helps. Okay? These are very, very predominant gifts. Maybe you think, I don't have a specialty. You know, there's nothing on this list. If you have a way of helping and serving other people that, that kind of synergizes and, and helps their gift shine and makes their work easier, that's the gift of helps. It's just the ability to come alongside with somebody and just by adding your help to it, it just frees them to use their gift in a greater way. And, and a lot of people think that well, that might be the only one I got. But if that's the one you got, use it. Use it. It is a spiritually anointed, empowered thing in your life. 
And I can tell you a couple of areas that, that we are, can always use help in around the church. In our first impressions ministry, as greeters or ushers or, or, or working in the cafe or any of those things, just that, that needs a lot of people every Sunday. Our children's ministry needs a ton of people. And you, may, you know, might think, I, I can't teach you little kids. If you can play with little kids, we got a place for you, okay? There, there are all kinds of ways that you can serve. And the only way you're going to discover your gift is start serving. Because your gift is going to fit you. And if you start with the things that you think might fit you, that's the best place to start. A second thing about spiritual gifts is, and personal ministry is this. Your personal ministry, your specific ministry, is absolutely indispensable. It is absolutely indispensable. It is needed. Whatever your gift is, whatever your personal ministry is, it is absolutely indispensable to the whole body of Christ. And to drive home that point, what Paul uses is he uses this analogy of a body. He uses this analogy, and every time he talks about spiritual gifts, by the way, he uses the same analogy of this body. He puts it this way in Romans. Each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not have all the same function. So in Christ, we, though we are many, form one body. He says, just like your body. Your body is made up with all kinds of different parts, and every part of your body has a different function. It plays a different role. And and, and you need every one of those for your body to be healthy. And he says, it's the same way in the church that we are now the body of Christ. You have a personal relationship by your personal faith and your decision of faith to trust Jesus Christ as your Lord. That's what started it. But the minute you made that decision, you became a part of this bigger thing that's called the body of Christ. And it spans generations and it spans cultures and ethnicities and it spans age groups. It it spans everything. And in every area, there are local communities of faith that each represent the body of Christ. And you are a part of that. You are a part of that. In the same way that your body is made up of every different part, so we who are many form one body. And it might be different parts with different functions, but it still forms one body. And I think we've got to rethink, particularly in North America, the way the church does discipleship. Because, you know, we're... we're Rugged individualists in America. You know, we think about, ah, it's just me and God. If, I, if I've got my quiet time, if I've got my Bible, you know, that, that's all I need. I can go out in nature. I don't need the church. Wrong. Wrong, because you're a part of a body. And you know what happens with a part of the body that gets disconnected from the rest of the body? It dies. <laughs> it putrefies. <laughs> it gets really disgusting. Parts of the body do not grow and function if they're not apart, if they're not connected. And that's why you need to be a part of serving in a church because you're part of this body. And, and the greatest discovery that you could possibly make in your life, the greatest discovery you could make is to find your function, your role, the thing that God gifted you to do because it's at the heart of why he created you. It's finding your significance, finding your purpose, finding meaning and identity in this world. It all centers around that. Body parts connected are growing. Body parts separate die. And if you say, well, sometimes, you know, I'm just not feeling as close to God as I used to. One of the things that when people say that, I say, are you a part of a community group? Are you connected with influential friends that are helping you along in your spiritual life? 
Well, no. Well, yeah, I joined, but I only go every four weeks, you know. Are you serving anywhere? Well, no, you know, because I don't have anything to offer. When you serve, when you're connected, you grow. It's the only way it happens. You are part of a body, and every part makes a contribution. And, and Paul kind of, he plays on this a little bit, especially in his letter to the Corinthian church. He kind of, and he gets a little humorous with the whole thing, okay? He says, okay, so if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. He said, this is, he said think about it this way, okay? If your ear, if your ear could somehow say something, okay? If your ear could talk to the rest of your body and your ear said, since I'm not an eye, I'm not a part of the body, First of all, the rest of the body would say, huh? Okay. You're a little sharper than the first, first crowd, okay? For those of you who didn't get it, if the ear should say, okay, I'm not a part of the body, the rest of the body would go, huh? Okay, okay. Yeah. It wasn't that funny to start with, but anyway. But that's the idea. He said, don't think because you don't know your role or, or don't think because you don't think your role is important, that that somehow translates that you are not important? Do not mistake your worth and your value with your gift. Do not mistake that. Don't confuse your role with your value to the body. Just because you are a part of the body, you are valuable. But you are that much more so when you make your contribution, when you fulfill your role. So don't diminish what God has called you to do because it is absolutely indispensable. And, and by the way, don't diminish other people's gifts either because that, that gets into the wrong thing too. He goes on, he says in verse 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to his feet, I don't need you. I can't say to the hand, I don't need you. Hand would say back, okay, put your own contacts in. <laughs> okay, well, maybe I need you in the morning. Okay, take them out by yourself at night. Oh, okay, maybe I need you. You can't say to another part of the body, you don't matter. I don't need you. That's just ridiculous. That wouldn't happen in your body, in your natural body. Why would it happen in the body of Christ? Don't compare yourself because comparison is always a trap. And what it does is it detracts from the effectiveness of the church in this world. You have a part. You have a role. You have a contribution. And you need to find what it is. Because if you don't, the rest of the body suffers. You have two lungs. And you could survive and live on one. But it would not be easy. You have two feet. And you would still survive if you lost one of them. But it would not be easy. It would not be fun. Which of your fingers would you be willing to give up? None of them. Because everything works together. And he says, that's the way the church operates. We are all indispensable. In fact, that's what he says, verse 22. Those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. How many here know what, this, what, what a stapes is? Anybody heard the term? One, two, three, a few medical people. Okay, the stapes is the smallest bone in your body. It is, it is this, it's just a tiny little thing. Um, it's a small spoon. It's a, it's a part of the inner ear. Those of you maybe from elementary school might remember the, the stirrup. Okay, that's the stapes. It's the smallest bone in the human body. Without it, you cannot hear. Because 
I can tell you first, first-hand experience. Um, what I noticed when I started getting you know, into my 50s is parts of my body don't operate the way that they used to. My eyes started going bad. My hearing started going bad. And I went to the doctor, did the hearing test, you know, did some searching and look, looking at things. And what he said is I have otosclerosis, which is um, kind of a, a, a calcification or deforming of the bones of your inner ear, particularly the stapes. And what happens is it just kind of, it gets a little misshapen. And when it does that, as you get older, it, it, it doesn't translate the vibrations to the nerve. And so you start to lose your hearing. And I said, well, what can I do about that? And he said, well, you can wear a hearing aid. Said, I'm only in my 50s. I'm not wearing no hearing aid, you know. Or he said, you can have surgery. And, of course, I belong to Kaiser, and they don't pay for hearing aids, but they pay for surgeries. Go figure. I don't understand it. But he said, we can do surgery. I said, we'll do the surgery. And the surgery, what they do is they actually go in and they go in through your eardrum. They actually remove the stapes and replace it with a prosthesis, which is just kind of just a little wire with a little plunger on the end of it, a little piston set up. And they put that in there. And and so I went in. I had the surgery. Um, They they got it all wired up, came out of the surgery, and it didn't work. Uh, it, it seemed to work for a little while, and then it just kind of went back to the way it was. And I had the hearing test, and he said, well, it, didn't really, it wasn't that successful. But he said, you know, I, 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 he looked in there and says, it looks like you might have some scar tissue that built up from the surgery. So we, we can go back in there and kind of clean up the scar tissue, see if that works. So I had a second surgery. And they went in, and they cleaned up the scar tissue, and that didn't work. And so they said, well, he said, we could try one more time. He said, but after that, it just kind of starts, you know, results kind of diminish after that he said but we'll try one more time we can replace it we can put it in a different part and maybe you know get a better connection to the nerve so I said, okay so i went in for the third surgery didn't work i am now totally deaf in my right ear i mean the last time i hear a hearing test a couple weeks ago i when they put the you know they put the headphones on and they turn up the volume ask you to say when you can hear it okay i could feel the pressure on my eardrum and couldn't hear anything <laughs> yeah I miss my stapes. <laughs> and in fact, it, by the way, if, if you come up and talk to me, if you're standing on my right side, I'm not ignoring you. I just don't hear you. <laughs> it's just, in fact, I, people come up to me now and they want to you know, give me a hug. I, and I, they, why is it people always want to hug on the right side? Everybody hugs on the right side and says something to my ear. I have no idea what they're saying, okay? So for like for the last couple of months, every time somebody comes to hug, I do kind of a, you know, just a quick... <laughs> Quick shift over here, hug on the left side, you know? Because it's the only way I can hear. So now you all know, okay? So just cut me some slack, okay? <laughs> it is the smallest bone in your body. But when it's missing, you know it. It is the most insignificant part in terms of size. But it is absolutely indispensable. And that's the point that Paul is making here. So you might think that you've got nothing to contribute, but that's wrong. And you might think, well, maybe I do have something to contribute, but it's not all that much, so why even bother? You would be wrong. Because, yeah, the church could go ahead and function, and we could fulfill what God has called us to do. We could probably do that. But without your contribution, it's harder. It doesn't work as well. See, everybody has something to contribute. And that is absolutely essential. I wish I still had my stapes. I wish 
everyone that calls Northgate their church home was serving in their ministry gift, was serving in their personal ministry because we would function so much better. And let me tell you, folks, we are seriously understaffed. We have six pastors, well, three pastors, two part-timers for 600 people. We are seriously understaffed. And we don't have the luxury to be able to go out and hire more staff. But you have gifts and contributions to make that could lighten that load, that could be distributed and doing the work in the church. And don't think you don't have a contribution to make because you're dead wrong. And that's not me. That's God saying it. You've got that contribution. Your ministry is indispensable. And the last thing is, your ministry needs to be wholehearted. Find your gift, use your gift, and give it your best. See, that is the genius. That is the genius of the way God designed the church. Because you might sit here and say, well, I don't know enough about spiritual gifts. I don't know enough about all this stuff. I don't know enough to really get started. Do you know that for the first 50 years or so, the church had no teachings about this? What we read this morning is more teaching than they got on the whole subject. But how is it that the church grew by thousands? And within that first generation, the church of Christ was scattered throughout the whole Roman Empire and there were churches meeting in this city of Rome, the capital city of the Roman Empire. How did that happen? By the power of God's spirit working through the people of his body. That's how. And they had no more teaching on it than you do. They just did what they were gifted to do. And that's the deal. And they did it. They did it wholeheartedly. Your attitude in doing this is absolutely essential. You know, have you ever been waited on by a waiter that doesn't like his job? <laughs> yeah. And you feel real guilty like a cheapskate for not leaving any tip, but you'd really like to just leave a penny, you know? <laughs> but you don't. You know when somebody's attitude is off. And, and he says, when you share, when you serve, when you, do, you work with your gift... Do it wholeheartedly. He says, if your gift is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then encourage. If it is giving, give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. In other words, give it your best. Give it your all. And God designed the church to be led by letters, leaders and pastored by pastors and taught by teachers. And if you've got those gifts, use them. If you're an encourager, encourage. If you're a giver, give. No, I mean it. Give. <laughs> and these are things, by the way, that all of us are to grow into. They're all part of growing in the faith. But some of us have these specialists. Okay? We got these gifts. They're specialties that are our are, are gifts. And there's a lot more people in our church congregation that have pastoral gifts than me. There are many more people in our church family and in this body of Christ that have leadership gifts than me. Many more. And if those are your gifts, use them. If it is to encourage, become an encourager. Give it your all. I think there are some reasons why sometimes we slip into half-hearted serving. It's what Bill Hybels calls running on the wrong fuel. <laughs> it's like, you know, your, your car is designed for premium and you're putting diesel in and you're wondering why it's not running well because you got the wrong fuel in it. 
And it really goes to motivation. And sometimes people just serve out of a sense of obligation or duty or or pressure or guilt. And and that might be a good get started kind of a thing because you never would have unless somebody kind of put a little bit of pressure on you because it's much more comfortable to just sit there and take it all in. But it doesn't sustain you. And, and over a while, you'll burn out at it. Because it kind of it has to do with the second one, which would be that you, sometimes people start serving outside of their giftedness. They, they do it out of a sense of duty and obligation, but because they're not gifted in it, that becomes a source of kind of running out of steam. Because it, it just, it's so much harder. In our step up, step, out, the step up and Serve class, we used to have a little exercise that we did. In fact, we'll do it this morning. Um, take out a pen and a piece of paper. Your, your sermon note's there. Take a pencil, pen, whatever it is. Okay, what I'd like you to do, if you are right-handed, okay, I want you to sign your name with your left hand on a piece of paper. If you are left-handed, sign on the paper with your right hand. Just try it. Humor me, okay? Just give it a shot. Okay, now switch hands and do it with the hand that is most natural for you. What what happened? When you wrote with the hand, even though it was your own signature, when you wrote with the hand that is not, not your default, not what you naturally write with, it probably took you a lot longer and you didn't do as good a job and it looks really, really ugly. <laughs> but when you wrote with the hand you normally write with, it was much easier. And it flowed real, just naturally. And it might still be look, looking ugly because that's just your handwriting. But, you know. <laughs> but the deal is this. When you go with the flow that is most naturally yours, it just, it, it goes. And if you find yourself struggling and just, it's not working out and it doesn't feel right and it just is such a chore and it just, it might be that it's just not your gift. And the best thing that you could do would be to quit and find a place of ministry where you are gifted. Now, don't all do that today, okay? Because we still have places to fill. And sometimes you fulfill a role, okay? There is, sometimes you do fulfill a role. It's not your gift, but you fulfill the role, and God allows you to do it until he can get your replacement. <laughs> but, but you are best when, and you will grow, by the way. You will grow still. Either way, you'll grow. But you will do best in your area of gifting. And sometimes, sometimes I think people burn out or flame out because they're just overcommitted and overworked. And that might describe some of you this morning. You're carrying too much. And the best thing you could do would just be take a break. Now again, don't all do it at once today, okay? But, you know, find a replacement. One of the things that we've said around here is, if, if anybody gets involved in ministry, they should have no more than two ministries, a big hat and a little hat, we call it. You, know, you can have one main ministry. That's where you really thrive and you function. And then maybe a secondary ministry that, that you're still gifted at, but it's not a big commitment obligation kind of a thing. And, and, just, you know, and some of you, maybe this is the first time you've heard all of this stuff. Some of you, you have heard this taught over and over and over again, and you're just kind of saying, okay, so what else you got for me? Okay, Listen, if every one of us would just let it sink in, God has gifted me. God has called me. God has a role and a contribution for me. Uh, just think, just think in one church, just in, in Northgate, within our church family, if every one of us did that, just think of the effectiveness and the power of that. 
Just think if around the world, every believer did that, made it a conscious effort to find where they're gifted and got involved in ministry and started doing something for the kingdom of God. Imagine. Imagine what could be accomplished. Whatever you do, don't let it all go unattended. If you are not serving, if you don't know your gift, find it. If you are over-serving, over-committed, overworked, not going where you're gifted, then, then take care of that too. But whatever you do, don't let it go unattended. Paul wrote to Timothy, fan into flame the gift of God which is in you. Because he knew there's a chance we're going to flame out. He knew that sometimes we get tired. He knew that sometimes we're fulfilling a role, but it's not really our gift. He knew that. So when he told Timothy, who was called as a pastor, he said, fan into flame the gift you have. You can't do everything, but do what God has called you to do. Fan it into flame, which means learn about it, grow in it, find out as much as you can about how it works, and, and, and give yourself more and more and more to it. And make sure you take some time for self, you know, self-attention. Take some time for rest. Take some time to recharge. But stay in the game. Stay in the game. He says, fan it to flame. Don't let it go unattended. Because the bottom line is, every one of us are needed. Every one of us have a contribution. To the Ephesian church, Paul put it this way. From him, meaning Jesus, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as what? As each part does its work. That's the bottom line. That's how it works. Would you bow your heads with me? Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Venetia, California. 